0: This is episode 135 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton, and we are going to start a new series based on Hebraic relationships. What does the Most High require of us in regards to our relationship? What does it look like? What does it function like? How are we to treat one another? And in this podcast, we're just going to introduce the topic, and then as we roll out more podcasts on the topic, we're going to get into the details on what that should be. So, Hebrews in exile, you know what we do. Let's go!
1: You make everything right, give me more power. This is Rabbi Robert Buhoman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews
0: and in
1: exile. exile. Sean, we need to tackle something that we've talked about before, both of us believe are critical to the Iber nation. Mm hmm. And what we're going to talk about, um, you're not going to hear any other Hebrews talking about it.
0: Yeah, true.
1: Just like you don't hear any Hebrews talking about the mitzvotes, um, you're not going to hear anybody talking about this subject matter. hmm And we're going to title this part one. Ah, oh, Okay. 'Cause we're not gonna exhaust this tonight. Okay. Good. We're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna kinda introduce it. We're gonna introduce it and, and, and try to make some sense of it for our for our hearers. Okay. One of the critical things that we find within the Hebraic nation of people in exile is there is a lack of understanding concerning relationships
0: yeah very true very true yeah and part of the reason is go ahead go ahead <laughs> no part the, of the reason is what well the part of the reason is at least in my opinion i'm jumping the gun here no it's, come on i mean we, we gotta run with this it's the times obviously are different um we have a, 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 a we live in a day and age now that has been completely, totally governed. I mean, especially in this Westernized culture, um, the way that marriages and the way that relationships and of the way people interact is diametrically opposed to what is been instantiated in the most High's texts and how our people, our, our ancestors interacted. Totally different culture, totally different mindset. Um, obviously we're closer to the mitzvot than obviously a lot of us in exile are. Um, And we've allowed the culture of the day, the flavor of the day to dictate how we're supposed to govern ourselves in that particular vein. So I I can totally get why it's, it's just something that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I mean, the fact,
1: not only that, not only is the culture different uh, from the historical way of Hebrew Israel as we read in text, but for the individuals who want to have a relationship with a man and a woman Mm -hmm. from a Hebraic perspective, uh, and I'm sure that they have never thought about it. Right. Right. And, you know, um, having a good relationship with two people that are on the same page
0: yeah yep
1: is critical to the long run not only is it critical to the long run Mm -hmm. it's also in that long run it's critical to your children oh yeah that you're going to that you
0: may have with each other yeah you know i'm glad that you said that because it is the catalyst for um future generations our descendants because they're going to have to function in the ways of the Most High of the midvotes, and we have uh, mitzvots that are that govern how we're supposed to uh, treat each other within a, uh, within a relationship, um, in and out of a relationship. That's all the mitzvots are. M- m- good plethora of the midvotes about our interdependency and relationship to each other. Right. So you know
1: what we're going to share with you are the historical facts of of how. And what constitutes a marriage, uh, from all from all of the angles that we can think of, mm-hmm. and uh, and discuss and discuss those. Um, we look at this. We live in the, we live in the United States, and it's interesting that as I do research, every country. And not only every country, but even in the United States, every state has its own governance. True.
0: For marriage. True. This is very true. And I did some research on that too. And I found that that, that was an interesting discovery that not all states, say for instance, I'm going to take some thunder already. Um, I found out today that the state, I believe it's Alabama, is the only state in the United States that doesn't require you to have a marriage license. Like, I found I found that a little odd that, and, and there's a, I was reading why they instantiated that, um, and I think what they do now is in Alabama, I gotta remember if, if that's the correct state, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, y'all out there that's listening, but what they have in place of it is that you send in your paperwork basically to the probate judge, and the probate judge reviews it and then sends you back a basically a, a certificate or something that says that that you're married. You don't have to go through that whole entire process of ceremonial and all that stuff in, well, I in mean, the state of the, Alabama. But yeah,
1: but the whole issue of a ceremony of ceremony is is choice. Yeah, true. I mean, ceremony is choice. It's not so much cer- ceremony that. Uh, in the United States, that governs a legal marriage, it's going through what each state requires uh, of of it. So, I mean, I asked the question and I, I researched the question: What constitutes a marriage in the United States of America? And one of the things that immediately came up for me was uh, common law marriage and obtaining a marriage license.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, even matter of fact, in the state of California there is no such thing as common law marriage. And we probably should define what common law marriage is. Yeah. In in, in the sense of, I think, uh, like when you move to a state like Texas, Texas has a very, um, I want to say a hard common law, but they have a definitive way how, to def- how they define it. Um, I think there's three criteria. One, you have to have acknowledged it publicly that you're married to someone, that, you've got some type of um, you have a residence with that particular person. There's two of them out of the three. And then the third one is um, like I said, there's a commitment, you're living together. And then there's, I think maybe some type of legal document of bills or something that you might have your, both of your names on, but there's three criteria um, that constitute a common law marriage. But I come to find out in in the state of California, you can live with person for 50 years. Have the same residence, be functioning, and you could call that person your wife, but the state of California will not honor that as a common law marriage. You have to have go down to the local magistrate, file your paperwork, get it, you know, go all the, have the witnesses, all the necessary pieces and components, and then you're you're married. So California is one of those states where they don't even honor common law.
1: That's interesting. But, you know, once again, while we talk about what constitutes a marriage, we're talking about what constitutes a marriage from a legal perspective. Um, It says that marriage is the legal union of individuals. And the basic elements of a marriage are the parties' legal ability to marry each other, mutual consent of the parties, and a marriage contract that's required by law. Mm. Now, we're talking, about, we're talking about the aspect of, of the legality of a marriage. So, so when we look at all of, all of this that we're talking about now, has to coincide with and map and map to what Torah defines as a marriage and what the most high defines as a marriage yes and and I want to say I, I want to say this I want to put this in I want to put this in play early text says whom Yahweh joins together let no man put asunder and i want to say to you all that all marriages are not a union that is inspired by or neither is it orchestrated by the most high
0: yep even though we may think and believe and want to yearn for it in our hearts as much as we want no. to it's, and, and, and sometimes
1: it's it's not it's not and some and and a lot of a lot of marriages that one of the reasons why the divorce rate is so high is because a lot of marriages are the construct of of a physical of a physical relationship, and then you find out that after after the physical the physicality of it all dissipates and wanes away, uh, problems start to surface, and you find you have irreconcilable differences, and and you part and you part ways. The Most High. Was not a party to that, mm-hmm. so now the question becomes: Well, was, were we married? Well, that's 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 a that's a that's a funny that's a funny ladder to climb. Yep. from a he break perspective, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's that's a funny that's a funny ladder ladder to climb. Now, one of the other factors that I that I found out is that. Um, Marriage licenses were have been required since 1639 in the state of Massachusetts. But there is this thing that's called, in 1913, that's called the Federal Government, the um, Revenue Act of 1913. Yes. I read. I read the. Imp, I read the application of, of that thing. I didn't see anything in there that spoke about anything about marriage. Good
0: portion. Actually, I, I went to a, a website that that spoke about it. Um, and, and the website that I had researched, um, the Revenue Act of 1913 um, was based on and how it relates to marriage is that when uh, it's, it has everything to do with the deductions that were allotted to individuals and how it, you filed. Yeah, it's, it's all about taxes. It's about taxes. It's, it's literally you, I think it was in 1913, a $6,000 um, uh, deductible was applied. If you were filing, now you guys, you tax folks are gonna have to correct me on this one too. If you were filing separately, but you were together, if you were married you would only got and you filed jointly you only got a four thousand dollar tax credit for the year at that particular time it wasn't until six I mean, excuse me it wasn't until nineteen sixty nine when the tax reform uh act or bill was instantiated where all that changed where the filing became a little bit more stringent on on um or it at least changed in nineteen sixty nine so from nineteen thirteen to nineteen sixty nine it was so, I mean, the, the Revenue tax Act, credit. the Revenue Act, the uh,
1: 1913 Revenue Act is all about taxation.
0: It's a tax credit, yeah. It's about taxing
1: but, marriages. But with it, it, Part of it, there's no, there's nothing in there that requires a person to have a marriage license.
0: Right. So let's, let's define what, why do you need a marriage license in the United States? What benefit does it give you to have one? Because I can tell you off the rip, I've been, you have married us, me and my wife, 20 some odd years ago, this year, we would have been married 20 years. Um, and in doing such, I may have had to show that marriage license maybe once in 20 years. And that was only to prove some legality that we were married. And I'm trying to remember what it was for, but it escapes me right now. But I don't use that marriage license for nothing. Zero. I got a marriage certificate and a marriage license sitting in a case somewhere collecting dust. So I had the same question, too. Like, what? I know uh, uh, I know the answer to the question. I'm just being rhetorical when I say that. I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, what? There, you know and one of the things as we talk about this in the united states um naturally the legality the legalities of of being married to each other legally uh play a role in a lot of the business that you do yes
0: I think that's probably the main point
1: yeah um Seeing, I mean, can I, oh yeah. and, and I? And we and I haven't I haven't gone down this road yet. I haven't researched, but we will as we continue to talk about this. You know, uh, if two people are living together, and we're gonna and we're we're gonna get into the Hebraicness of this. But I, I I need we need to get into the construct of what's going on in the United States first of all before we before we walk down before we walk down that road because road, that yeah. road is, uh, is 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 that role is much different.
0: Oh yeah. It's diametrically opposed. And even getting back on the subject of the, the purpose of the marriage, I mean, to me, it took me a while to even understand that a marriage license and a marriage certificate is it's a contract between two people. That's how you should look at it. Or at least that's how I look at it. Right. Because I don't look at it as, well, I went down to when we we had to go down, we had to fill out the paperwork. We paid the fee for the the license and everything. And I'm gonna tell you what, them folks across the counter didn't give a damn whether or not you were in love or not. No, they don't care. No, no. give us the fee yeah. for for the license, right. and you can you can right. go on and have your merry way. Right. So it's more for uh legalities. It's a contract between people, so you can enter into a contract, procure real estate together. Um. Uh, do certain kinds of contracts together as, right. a, as an entity. As an
1: entity, right.
0: That's the way it should be looked at in the United States. And as an entity, as a business entity, you pay taxes. Right. Or you get a credit right. because of you're an entity. Right. So, it has nothing to do with love. No. And that's the funny part about it because when people get married, it's all about the day. It's all about the 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 experience. It's all about everything else. But... The actual legality of it or the <laughs> definition of it has
1: nothing to do with it. So when we look at this thing, when we look at this thing, um, since the avenue as is in California, that common law marriage is not is not an issue that is even entertained whereby you can't claim I mean if you live together for 7 years or 8 years I mean what nothing what's the legality I mean nothing we just have to part and go our separate ways yeah and so and don't get and 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 by the goodness of our hearts we divide the we divide the assets that we've accumulated over those over those
0: years so when I did my research on common law in California they addressed that issue kind of in the webinar dissertation that I was kind of listening to and they said for those individuals that don't want to engage in, or at least in practicing common law, what would be considered common law. And you have an effect, obviously you have an affection for your partner. You can go ahead and start adding them to different things. You can add them onto your medical. You can add them onto different types of things. There's the illegal, there's legal ramifications for doing it. It's a different route that you can go, but um, you have every avenue to... Add that particular person as a, a power of attorney, as, um, and I'm just throwing out all these legal terms um, that are litigious, but it's not the end all be all where you don't have uh, some type of legal recourse to, if you're with somebody and you don't have the actual license and certificate, you can add that other person on to, to the your, house, to the, to title, house, to the, the deed, title, to the deed, to your...
1: To yeah. your even your insurance,
0: in, to your insurance, you can okay. add them on there, okay. and they can participate.
1: That that's good to know. Yeah, that's good information. So if you and and you know, you might you all might want to check that out in your own individual in your own individual states about that. And the reason why we're the reason why we're talk, why are we talking about common law?
0: Because common law is more more is closer in my mind. I don't know if this is where you were going. But common law is probably a little closer to being Hebraic than full-blown license. And I only think that probably where the United States, even remotely close, gets to the text is when we get to the issue of a divorce, where you have to legally give someone (coughs) a piece of paper that says, this is everything has been dissolved. But even in that, it is so far off from being Hebraic, it's not even funny because... The issuer of the divorce is not the state, right? The issue of the divorce is the man. It's the man in being Hebrew. <clears throat> but why would why why would you sing? Come well,
1: on? no, no, no. That's 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 what's that's what's ringing in in my mind because when we look at a he, we've had people in our in our congregation and um they were always asked well why don't you why aren't why don't you get married and the and the retort was well why do i need a legal document to disclose that we're married to someone why 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 does that have to constitute a marriage Mm -hmm. when it's when it's a government piece of paper that that at at one point in time, never existed.
0: Mm-hmm. How I would it how I would have actually approached that is that you're capital one you're right. you don't need it. but you live in the United States, and therefore there's some benefits that come from being or having that license. You can get by without it. Absolutely. There's no mandate that says that this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. Take all the legal precautions that you need to add them to whatever you need to add them to and function hebraically. But as far as tax deductions, as far as other perks that you get for having that license, you won't capitalize on that. And that's the thing that I would say to a person is and let me I'm going to take a sidebar real quick. People ask me about getting married, and you know what I tell them? I try to separate the two. One, like I said earlier, the issue of love and caring for a person versus the issue of the legality. And I said, the first thing you need to do if you want to actually go get that certificate and that license, you need to go sit down with a lawyer first. And both of you need to understand the legal ramifications of what you're getting ready to get into because nobody sits down and tells you that. But bet your bottom dollar. If you decide to dissolve that, you're going to get a real crash course in American legal marriage law on how that works. But you didn't do it up front. You need to be able to be cognizant of all. You wouldn't go. It's the same thing with like you do your due diligence on the subject. It just cannot be about I'm in love with a person. Because there's a legal component to it that people don't sit down and and think and work through and say, well, if something does happen, how are we going to handle this? And this is how the law works in our particular state. So when someone, like any of my staff members, they come to me, they're like, oh, we're in love and I'm thinking about getting married. I have several of them come to me. And I said, the first thing you need to do is sit down with Laura, if that's the route that you want to go. And define the parameters in this country, how this works.
1: Well, I mean, I I, I hear you. And... I can hear the retort to that.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: The retort to that in my mind for young people getting married is well, we don't plan on getting a divorce. <laughs> and <laughs> and, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. and 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 to and to and to address it and to address it up front leaves the kind of impression that well we just might and if we do we know and understand what but When you're in love like that, talking about divorce when you're trying to get married is not one of the things
0: that's... And and that's what we need to change because no one likes to talk about insurance when you're buying a car. But it is a legal thing... That is mandated by, I think, probably no, no, every no, no, single no. state. No, no, no. When you it's buy, it's a, a protection. No, when I when you when
1: I buy a car, you doggone right, I want some insurance.
0: That's right. So this is what I'm saying. You want to know what you're getting. And into. the only
1: difference between the two, in your analogy, <clears throat> that's not a good analogy. Why? Because because I'm not only talking about protection. Yeah, I understand that because it's kind of a given that. The possibility is that somebody may hit you. Exactly. Or you may hit somebody. I mean, that's that's a... <laughs> I mean, yeah, the numbers. I was going to say it's a numbers game. And which number is greater? The possibility of getting hit by a car the possibility of getting a divorce?
0: And I'm saying that the possibility of getting hit, getting a divorce is way higher than it is getting hit by a car. Yeah, it is. Because in the United States right now, It's the divorce rate is 65, maybe even pushing closer to 70%. So I would say, at least go into the situation with your eyes open, knowing that the chips are stacked against me. Culture is stacked against me. I'm not going, I have a 30% chance of this marriage surviving in this country. So at least I want to know what the ramifications are if I have to go down that road. I don't plan, no one plans on getting a divorce, but it happens. Yeah. No one plans on getting in a car accident, but right. it happens. But it
1: happens, right.
0: So I would rather have the insurance there to know that I'm protected. And my analogy with the insurance with the marriage is knowing, sitting down with the lawyer and knowing what to do if something starts, even, to, even a preventative maintenance to say that I know what could happen. And especially for men. I'm going to say this is probably going to tick off all these women that's listening to this. As a man in the United States, the marriage laws are not for you. They're going to protect the female. Am I for or against that? My my issue is, it, actually, I'm for it. Why? Because it actually mimics a little bit what happens in in, in the mitzvot. In Torah. Because there are a plethora of mitzvots that protect women from men, I don't want to, I'm saying that it's coming out that way, but you need to understand, I guess, getting back to my point, you need to understand as a man in Westernized culture, that the law is not in your favor. Even more reason to,
1: because literally, yeah, I mean, you I mean, I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's is, no, there's all I'm saying is, is there's nothing wrong with doing your due diligence right. to do the research to find out you're in love, but there's also the possibility that I could get in a car crash. What happens when I get in a car crash? You don't know to call the insurance company, you don't know to call what your deductible is, you don't know all these other intricacies about what happens when tragedy strikes?
1: Yeah, I just I last year this time last year, um, I'm I'm taking my car in for service. I'm rolling down 99. It's kind of raining outside, and traffic is slowing down, and I'm slowing down. And I look in my rearview mirror, and there's this fool coming full bore down down my lane. And I know, doggone, well, he's... Just know it. Just yeah. know it. Mm. Mm. Tore up my whole back end of my... My my, well, he, he hit me in a way that the the just the bumper and a little bit of the back got messed up. So it didn't. It wasn't major. Mm. But oh, he got taken out major, and he took out and took out another car major. Oh, and then and then he kid. Then they tried to come. They tried to his insurance company tried to come after me. But you know the the police report definitely you know and they want to know well what what's your what what's your um liability coverage do you i said it's none of their business
0: wasn't my fault exactly i was just so i mean
1: i i i understand the whole nature of of the need of something to protect yourself against the inevitable in case it happens so i i hear your argument now when we look at when we look at and one reason why I prefaced early in the conversation, whom Yahweh joins together is is a key principle issue. Simply because if we read text, um we got the we got I mean, who was it? Um and, and Belock, um and the king, uh when you wanted Balak to prophesy against Israel, yeah, put curse them. Put a curse on Israel. Yeah. And his word to the king was, "Leave Israel alone. Right. Uh, you know, her sons will marry your daughters, and your daughters will marry will marry her sons. Will marry your sons." Mm-hmm. And it only it only speaks to the idea that it sounds. <laughs> uh, it. In a Western Western world, it makes the Hebrew man sound very promiscuous.
0: It does. (laughs) (laughs) But see, here's the beautiful part about being Hebrew. is that you and I are Hebrew, and we know that that, the mitzvotes don't do that. They're not trying to make us. It sounds like it because they don't know the the mitzvot. Right, right, right. The mitzvah.
1: <coughs> well, <laughs> well, I said I said it in that context because if I look at the history of Hebrew Israel and I look at the oh, right, that begins in uh in Devarim uh uh, uh where is it um mm, Come on, it's in 20 which one which one which one you looking 28?
0: for? 28
1: I think it's in 28, you know, where he starts talking about uh, the aspect of of divorce and, and all that kind of stuff. Let's go there for a minute. Let's see here. I think it's in Devarim 28... Let's see if that's it. Uh,
0: closely, Yahweh. Uh, no, it's coming me now. Oh, these are the blessings coming mm-hmm. and going. Um, an abundance. Yeah, no, it's not
1: twenty-eight.
0: It's not. I 28. know. Where, okay, don't take my thunder away from me, this Shabbat, because I know where exactly where, <laughs> I have to go somewhere. Because actually, I'm going to Devarim twenty-two. Devarim twenty-two outlines, and that's what I was talking about earlier. The provisions. <laughs> Woo boy. It talks about some mitzvot, how a man and a woman are supposed to act. Yeah, in, and in specificity, in the area of an adultery, is where twenty, what twenty two talks
1: about. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when we look at this thing, let, let's 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 take a look at this. Sure. Now, we're gonna walk this back. This is this is just part one. We're gonna walk this back. I'm going, to, I'm going to define how scripture text defines a marriage. Okay. By text. Please. If we look at text and we look at our ancestors, there is no... There's nothing that defines or talks about the marriage of... Abraham and Sarah. Other than the fact that Sarah was Abraham's wife, true. There's nothing. There's nothing leading up to it. There's no. There's no uh, verbiage uh, concerning uh, Abraham uh, courting, converting, converting with her, or or um, courting her. The text says that Sarah was Abraham's wife.
0: Period. That's it. Matter of fact, yeah, you got another good example in Bereshit with Adam and Isha. Yeah, you're right. I mean, right off the bat, right—that's his wife.
1: And and then in our in our discussion, we get down into the in, in, into the discussion where the daughters of men married. That that whole discussion there, and, right. and, in Bereshit and, five, and, and going and, into chapter number six. Right, right. So we don't we we don't have any language that talks about marriage in our text early until it gets down to, um, uh, uh, Jacob. No, 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 no. It gets down to, uh, Isaac, Isaac and, uh, uh Rivka and Rivka. Uh, yeah. Where he's, um, uh and, and, and the text says that, the text says that, that Elzar brought Rivka back to Isaac, and Isaac took Rivka into his mother's tent, and she became his wife. Mm-hmm. Now, we know what that's about. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he didn't take her into his tent and... and Play Uno. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's. We're gonna play Scrabble when we come out.
0: We're, right. we're gonna be
1: we're gonna be husband and wife. Play another game called Twister. Yeah, <laughs> which leads to the idea that bone of bone, flesh of flesh, puts you in a state where marriage is the outcome by text. Yeah. Yeah, we... Yeah. Let's talk. I mean... I mean, you've got... You've got Isaac. (sighs) And... Following Isaac, you've got Jacob.
0: So So my... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm looking up something because I thought I had read somewhere where and and i'm looking for it now in in devarim where it talks about um it's a two part system where it had there's the consummation of it and then there's the there's the acknowledgement that she is your wife right like there has to be an acknowledgement first which technically would be a uh, an oral ketubah and the ketubah for all of you that don't know what that is that's a uh, marriage contract kind of like and it's not really but it's just kind of professing the 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 the, uh, the idea but then the consummation comes next and I could have sworn I well, saw that you know we're looking
1: here and 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 and, you know, and the one of the reasons why we have to we're, we're doing this is because our people need to know what's what Torah what Torah requirements ah. are in relationship to, to marriage, and it's written in De um and, in actually it's 20 a tw- 22 13, 13 yep. if a man marries a woman has sexual relationships with her and okay, then and then having come to dislike, dislike
0: her, her yeah.
1: brings false charges against her and defames her character by saying, I married this woman But when I had intercourse with her, I did not find evidence that she was a virgin. Now, this particular text here talks about the idea idea and in most of Israel, we're dealing with
0: virgins. I'm glad we're talking about this publicly so you can correct me before I get up here and say something about it. Well, the text is talking about
1: virgins. So I haven't. I don't recall reading any text where marriage happens. Oh, no? See, because. Where marriage happens with a woman that has already previously been married. So we're not dealing with a virgin.
0: Uh, okay. Um, let's say, for instance, let's say this. And I mean, how, I this mean, is, this I'm, is how I reconcile I'm,
1: I'm, that. I, I mean, the issue, the issue for the issue for western for the Western world is uh, you find today uh, very few
0: virgins. Yeah, you, you do. And I'm I'm saying here, I'm going to leave this in the context of the mitzvot and stick to the mitzvot on this one. This text right here, mm-hmm. to me, is only talking about one specific group of people. And that specific group of people are the, are the uh, priests, are the Kohanim, because they're the only ones in text that have to marry a virgin. Right. It doesn't say anybody else has to. Right, right. So in the instance, because have, we have mitzvot that says, in the event that I have a brother and my brother's wife, he and their, they're married, they don't, ha- don't have any children, and my brother dies, his wife comes to me. He's already consummated the marriage with her already. So by way of the mitzvot, there is a mitzvot that's out there that says that she doesn't have to be a virgin in order to marry someone. And I'm pretty sure that's happened through a plethora of Israelites as well. But when we talk about specifically virgins marrying, my position would be that this text is specific to only the priests because they're the only ones that have to marry virgins. Well, I don't know.
1: So if because once again, we get down to verse twenty-eight of this chapter. Mm-hmm. If a man comes up on a woman, right. who is a virgin, engaged, who is not engaged, oh, not engaged, mm-hmm. and he grabs her, and that sexual relation, that means he rapes her, right. And they are and they are caught in the act. Then the man who had intercourse with her must give to the girl's father one and one quarter pounds of shekels. In other words, he must give the must give the uh, the family a dowry, right? Because he's humiliated the girl, and he may not divorce her as long as he lives. So let, let me. So cor- now, once again, that's not a
0: priest, right? So let me correct what I'm saying because I'm glad you brought that up. It doesn't have to be necessarily be a now. I'm changing what I'm saying. Yes. Can you marry a virgin? Absolutely. If she's a virgin. Yeah. Can a priest marry a virgin? Yes. Yes. But a priest has, has to, to marry, marry a virgin. virgin. Yeah. You don't have to. Right. You can. Yeah. But you don't, have, you don't to. have to. Right. So in this particular instance in 28, yes, she's minding her own business. You decided you wanted to rape her. And matter of fact, the mitzvah says that when you do go ahead and rape her, you married to her. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. There's a plethora of folks that says that if a man can't control himself, there's protections for women against men right. in the midst. Right,
1: right, right. So, you know, as we talk about this subject, um, we want to bring to the fore the, the cautionary act of what is different between what constitutes a Hebrew marriage versus our westernized thought process of of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I go to if I go to it, and, we'll, and we'll and we'll get back to this to this to this to this kind of thought process in our in our next podcast, because there's some there's some um, study that we need to do in this area mm-hmm. but if I look at what's taken place with um, Isaac and Rebecca if I look at what's taken place with Jacob uh Rifka Zilpa Leah and um forget the other girl's name Rachel Rachel So it's Raquel, Rachel Leah, Leah, Leah Bilhah, and, and Zil- Zilpa Yeah, the yep. four girls
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know while the text talks about them being the other two girls uh being uh handmaidens Mhm literally They were not handmaidens, they were wives. Wives, yeah. That produced children.
0: Right. Thus, yeah, children of Israel for peace, actually. Yeah, so it's, it's the, you almost in tackling this issue, you have to almost strip everything that you have from westernized culture and start over from scratch. Right, uh, because they're not even structured right the same way. Right, because <sighs> there is something that I, I again when we get into this, which will be another uh, probably devote a whole entire podcast to the instantiation and the authority that the text puts in the seat of the man. Right, in a marriage relationship. Right, some of the liberties that that's why I'm saying some of the liberties that are here in Westernized culture that women may run to. Run to Daddy government for you don't have an opportunity to do that in Hebrew Israel. Right, you know, and the thing about it is, uh, in some
1: of our congregations where Hebrew where Hebrew people are, are gathering, you're and and we're we're kind of fortunate in in our congregation that the couples that are here are Hebrew women, yes, and Hebrew men. So I mean, you know, and there's a there's a bond that they have with each other and, and they walk they walk in that sanctity.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the way the Most High has set it up. And I am so in favor of the idea of male responsibility or the man being responsible instead of this entity in the background called the government. And this is the reason why I say that it's a beautiful system the way the Most High has it set up for us. Is what it requires is more diligent research and a, a commitment to understanding who your partner is from a woman's standpoint before you go ahead and make that commitment and accept the marriage question if you will or an invitation from the man if you know that you're not going to be able to go run to the government to get whatever you want alimony or whatever else you feel as though you you're maybe entitled to because you are going to make better decisions on who you
1: decide to get with yeah because one of the requirements of torah and a marriage is that the man must be able to take care of
0: his wife that's right He's got to provide for her. That's right. And if you don't fit that criteria then he's not, he's not a husband, he's not, he's, he's he doesn't got, fit the criteria he, of a husband.
1: He's got to shelter her, yeah. he's got to feed her, and he has got to take care of her, of her, of her, of her, of her needs. And not. And, and when I talk about her needs, I'm not talking about her sexual needs. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about taking care of the, her ability to live and function. Correct. Correct. That's that, the, by Torah, that's, that's the man's
0: responsibility. It's
1: not the woman's responsibility, that's the man's responsibility.
0: That's right, that's right. And then, then what it does is it puts, like I said before, it puts um, a lot of responsibility on the decision-making process between the two people. So when they do come together, and that's why it's a beautiful thing, because the evaluate. oh, come on, here we go again. Come on, I'm getting ready to teach now. Because the evaluation of the marriage is the standard of Torah. Right. It's not the standard of Westernized culture, right? And what public pop culture is saying, right? It's saying, does this man that I'm getting ready to commit to meet the criteria of a Hebrew Israelite man, right? And if he don't meet that criteria, then I'm, that's fine. You may get that way in the future, but right now you're not ready, right? And same way with the woman. Hold up, put it on hold, back it up. (laughs)
1: exactly you know we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about this as we talk about the midst votes uh that are that are germane uh to a marriage because you know the whole issue is this whole idea of intercourse uh just promiscuously having intercourse with you know one you know we get down to the idea that i gotta go across the street Oh, oh we gotta go to the I gotta, across, go, I gotta go across the street for, for for this one okay when 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 the so-called son of God who claimed to be meant the woman at the well oh yeah mm-hmm. that whole story mm-hmm. where is your husband mm-hmm. you know you have many and the one that you're with now is not yours mm. that whole that whole text talks about it really lends to the idea that She has been promiscuous and has in her promiscuity. She has had many husbands by virtue of the sexual relationship that she's had with these men. That's That's the idea that's being being, uh, uh, perpetrated. I mean, being being, uh, spoken here Mm -hmm. by this man that calls himself God's son. So now we come back across to our Hebrew text and our Hebrew text does not well it doesn't allow for it and then it's difficult because because once again we're looking at we're looking at all of the avenues in our text where but you know, you just go, you go, you go to Rabbi. You're, 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 you're stammering. You're stammering. <laughs> the only, the only two, the only two places in my mind right now, or the only places in my mind right now where Hebrew marriages are constituted would be Adam and Eve. The daughters of the daughters of men marrying marrying the the rulers yes and um uh noah and his family mhm uh obviously Tiara was married or abraham's father mhm he had a wife but there's no conversation about that and then abraham shows up and we we find out that abraham sarah is abraham's wife mm mm-hmm. mhm and then we go from there to um, from that from that union. We find out that from a Hebraic perspective, that Isaac, uh, Abraham's son, mm-hmm. uh, is desiring of a wife. Abraham sends mm-hmm. Elzer to look for her. He brings Rebecca back. Uh, Isaac takes Rebecca into his mother's tent, and they become. They become husband and wife. Now, here's my point that I'm that I'm getting at when I get there. Okay. And then from from there we get down to Jacob and his and his four and his four wives. Mm-hmm. Now, the point that I'm getting to here is that mm. the difference in and what's happening in all of these scenarios, particularly with with Isaac and Rebecca. And with Jacob and uh, Rachel and Leah, is that none of these women, none of these women prior to marriage were Hebrew women. Jacob's, Re- 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 Rebecca came from Laman. Laman was not a Hebrew. True. True. So his daughters were not Hebrew. It's but true. when they married, when they married a Hebrew man, they became Hebrew and they began to walk in the Hebrew way. Same way with Jacob. hmm Jacob's Jacob's wives came
0: out of from from Laman, once again. And Laman was not a Hebrew. Right. There's another one that's uh that comes to mind too when we talk about a uh, very famous one, Zipporah. Right. Moshe's Mo, my, wife. Mo, Mo, Moshe's she was a Pushite woman. She's an Ethiopian.
1: So my point that I'm making here is more probably as we look at this idea of relationships, relationships in in, in this Western world, because it's different for us here, because we have we have women. Around us that come into our congregation from different places and the young men meet with them and what have you Mm -hmm. and they and they start courting each and they start courting each other.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and so now we have to define what constitutes a Hebrew woman. Well, the holy idea now is that is that Mm -hmm. the majority. Well, not really because because we're in exile. We're in exile. We're in exile, and the majority of, of the melanated people in exile are part of the exiled nation of Israel into the four corners of the earth. So, in essence, in essence because, because uh, the largest contingency of, of Hebrew Israel in exile is in Brazil... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beautiful Brazil. Yeah, I could go to Brazil yeah. as a Hebrew man uh-huh. and marry a Brazilian and she she's a Hebrew woman because probably more than likely because of the exile. Or the same thing goes along if we if we follow the um if we follow the the the, um, the transatlantic slave trade and they, they, they spore along the Atlantic the Atlantic coast. All of those all of those places where our Hebrew women have been have been dropped off I mean they're mm-hmm. Hebrew. they're Hebrew mm-hmm. and the only thing the only thing that would make it different would make it different for a Hebrew man is if he were to marry or get have a relationship with a foreigner.
0: You see me lean back in my chair. That's exactly what I was getting ready to ask. I was getting ready to throw you a curveball. I was going to say, "Okay, I, I, I know how I would particularly answer this, but I'm going to throw you a curveball." Hebrew man interested in a woman from the nations. Yeah. Is she when she when he proposes? Yes. And by way of how we're defining it, yes, she accepts the invitation. Yes. And it's consummated. They're married. Is she Hebrew? So there was, but but that's but that's the same that's the
1: same scenario as as Isaac, mm-hmm. and the same scenario as Jacob, because their wives were not Hebrew. They came from the nation.
0: They came from a nation. So would their wives be subject to the mitzvot of the foreigner or of the Hebrew?
1: They would be. They would. They would be subject to the mitzvot that are written. In Bar, <laughs> number chapter fifteen, fifteen, that says there is one law ah, for you, there you go. Hebrew Israel, and there is one law for the foreigner that resides with you. The same law shall be the same. So the issue is is that a Hebrew man can marry a a a foreigner, but if he marries the foreigner, then that foreigner has to has to commit to the to the lifestyle of the hebrew
0: man that's a very good point and I, I think that's tantamount and very important for people to understand yeah is that the leadership the most high puts a lot of emphasis on the leadership of this group between the husband and the wife yeah yeah and yeah. a hebrew wo- mm. what a Hebrew woman what? A Hebrew woman just needs to be cognizant of who she puts in the leadership position. <coughs> so it's something that's very important that we have to understand <coughs> that, you know, in but order that, for it to function correctly. But 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 see we need we need to underst we
1: we need to define what that leadership position is because for some true. men their idea of leadership is one in which that is one of control. Mm-hmm. The Most High is not asking the Hebrew man to be in control. He's asking the Hebrew man to lead according to his 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 mitzvot, his rules, and his regulations.
0: Right, it's
1: and the- and then the aspect of the obedience is the obedience to the ways of the most high. I'm not asking you to obey me. I'm asking, you, yeah. I'm asking you to obey what the most high has asked. So that has to be clear because the whole idea for a lot of a lot of our women uh they don't they don't want to be you know, you know.
0: Yeah, this is not a totalitarian yeah, dictatorship over what here thing. Say say and, and, yeah, this, and, no. You know,
1: and no, it's a it's a uh, you know, and it's it's a beautiful thing because when we look at when we look at Hebrew Israel and the Most High, it's a shared relationship,
0: and mm-hmm. it is, and that's the beauty of understanding and having a relationship with, with the Most High, and that's why we draw analogies when the prophets talk about marriage relationships between the Most High being our husband and the wife. If you're going to have any pict- picture of what that marriage relationship should look like. Just look to the text. Right. And then make the analogy there. Because the the prophets do it all the time. Right,
1: right, right, right. So
0: it's it it is a beautiful thing. But in regards, like I had said earlier, is that both parties, even in the courting phase, even while they're trying to understand each other, the evaluation of how you are as a leader is based on the mitzvah. Right. Exactly. I can't put, I can't, say, people come in here and they listen to the words that come out of y- your mouth and my mouth. And they say, you know what? This is either good leadership that I want to be under or not. Right. You make the decision because you're gathering data. Right. It's not based on what's in your loins. Right. It's based on a cognition that says, I'm evaluating what's here. And that's what Hebrew women do because they know the folks, and they say, you know what? This individual over here, he's not following the text, and I can't put my trust and leadership in a person that doesn't exude that. Who will shine a blind eye to the Shabbat? Yeah, see, who will yeah. do offshoots and not follow the text? Yeah, this. I mean,
1: and, and the reason why we're bringing this subject up is because um, we have to establish that there is a difference within the Hebrew, the Hebraic culture and way of life. As opposed to Christianity that oh, you've yeah. been into all your life.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You know,
1: we don't look across the aisle and say, "Well, gee, he sure is handsome." Well, it's not a matter of he's handsome. Can he lead? Can he lead? What is the
0: other and, aspect and, of and, it? And yeah.
1: Can he lead? And does he does he have does he have something more than a than a a a good looking face? And he looks good and smells good. You know. Can he lead? Right. Can he and, and, and is there more to him than just the than than just the physical attraction? Right. But once again,
0: the man has to look back at the woman in the same light. There's a there's a text that I did a teaching on. Um, it's in Proverbs. It's the very last chapter in Proverbs. Um, and obviously we know who wrote Proverbs. <laughs> Shlomo did a lot of writing of Proverbs, and his father was King David. And one of the things that um, is in Proverbs is this dissertation between this queen and her son, and the queen is telling the son, "Son, when you go out and look for a wife, this is the criteria. of is the upon criteria which which you, you need what to you look, look at, for. Yes, and she needs to meet that criteria." Yeah, I
1: mean you? that whole dissertation of the virtue, the virtuous woman, woman yeah, is uh, all about is all about that that subject. I'm. I'm telling you, son. What you need to look for. Right. It's not and coming from woman. another man. No. It's coming from a woman. From a woman. Right. Yeah. It says this,
0: this is what a woman is. Is.
1: Right. Right.
0: And again, a lot of those things that she mentions in there, have really is having a. This is the beautiful part about it because you don't. We hear about what the men do, but the, uh, that particular uh, uh, chapter really defines. In my mind, kind of this general manager, the woman is running a lot of things. She has so much going, going on, on right. that she has to have help in executing and running her household. Right. I go no further than even to look at one of our, again, one of our, uh, uh, our matriarchs, which is Yehudit. Yehudit had the same situation. She had a husband that controlled, had a lot of, was rich, was very prominent. And she was able to uh, walk in the mitzvot. And that's one of the things that every, if you read the book of Yehudit, all yeah. eight chapters, chapters—yeah, one of the testimonies that they say about her was that that woman was more in tune with the mitzvot than anything else. She was respected in that regard, almost in a sense of being, uh, almost consultation-wise, every time that she spoke, she spoke wisdom. Yeah, but one of the things, one of the
1: things about Yehudit was that she was married to a man yeah. who obviously walked a hundred percent in the midstfolds to the degree that even after his death, death. Yeah. she she never married. She never married again. Right. But he left her, he left her with a legacy. Yes, he did.
0: And those are the beautiful parts about our texts that we can glean things from when we get to those external books and we read, okay, this is how our culture works. We are supposed to take care of a woman our women. We are supposed to function in this particular way. And again, we just have to spend time to understand the behavior of our people as it in as it uh, aligns up with the most high. Right. Well, you know what?
1: We've kind of given you an outline and an introduction to this subject. I don't know how many parts we're going to do, but this is part one. And uh, unfortunately, uh, this one isn't live. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know they've been
0: acting up in that chat room
1: <laughs> on this one. But that's good. No, this is good. But I like it. if you're listening to this uh, audio uh, portion of this, uh, we have the live podcast that we release over our, our YouTube channel, Yahweh's Exiled Empire um uh, on wednesday evenings uh around about six thirty, seven o'clock they line up but this one happens to be not live tonight but the i i think the next ones will be
0: yeah matter of fact i think what i'm going to do is um and then that way when we come back we have some good interaction um with the chat room who wasn't able to participate today right but? well This has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr.
1: and... Sean Appleton. And this has been...